0: Good morning. Hey, I want to welcome all of you that couldn't afford to go to the beach. Glad you are here with me. I really am glad that you're here today. And uh, Memorial Day, I told someone the other day, I don't care what the calendar says, Memorial Day weekend is the beginning of summer, and Labor Day is the end of summer. That's the way it has been my whole life. I I don't care about June 21st and September 21st. To me, this is summer, so I'm glad summer's here. I love summertime. You know, if you were to uh, if you were to go down to downtown Greenville or downtown Greer and just walk the streets and walk up to random people and say to them, "Hey, um, what is two or three or one of the most important events in all of human history?" Uh, first of all, you'd probably get a lot of people say, "Get out of my face! What are you, you know, that doing?" That kind of thing. But if you if you were to do that, you'd probably get different answers. Uh, you might people might say something like the. The signing of the Declaration of Independence or the Boston Tea Party or the Emancipation Proclamation, stuff like that. If you went to another country, you'd get different answers. Uh, if you were in South Africa, they might say Nelson Mandela being elected president. Or uh, if you were in China, they might talk about the Boxer Rebellion or things like that. All these great events that happened in history, these, these things that really did, for whatever reason, they changed the world. And, and there's, we could list off all kinds of things, whether it's wars or, or historic signings of treaties or inventions of products, or books that were written, all of these different things. And, and you can make a case that, that th- those things in different ways, they literally did change the world. But I believe and we the scripture that we read, the Bible that we read, teaches us that there is, there's one set of events, uh, two things that happen over a three-day period. That, that are the most significant events in the history of the world because they not only changed world history here, but they changed things for eternity. And they it, it changed people's lives then, it changed people's lives today, and it will change people's lives in the future. And what we're talking about is the, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus just a couple of days later on Sunday morning. Those events changed the world unlike anything that we've ever experience or anything that ever will happen again. And I want you to know today that as we celebrate this today, that the power of the cross and the resurrection that changed the world two thousand years ago is just as real, just as strong today as it ever has been. That the power that brought Jesus back from the dead, and by the way, he really was dead. He he didn't just pass out. He was completely dead, as my dad used to say Dead as a doornail dead. That when anytime something my dad would say, That's dead as a doornail, that you meant it was really, really dead. That's how dead Jesus was. In the grave, dead. And he came back to life. And that power that could bring a dead man back to life is still available to us today in our regular lives. And the great thing about the, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus and it being the central event of all history. It's also the central event of the Bible. One of the things that that we tell you here all the time, and if you hang around here very long, you're going to hear me say this. We desire for you to read the Bible for yourself. And I'm going to say this until I'm blue in the face. You're going to hear me say this again. But if this is the only Bible you're getting this week, is me standing up here and reading part of it and talking about a little bit of it, You are spiritually malnourished. You are spiritually starving to death. Just like you have to eat food every day to survive, just like you have to drink water every day to survive, you need to be taking in the Word of God, the Bible, every day to survive spiritually and to grow and to become the person that God wants you to be. And so we talk about all the time that we want you to read the Bible for yourself. And as you read the Bible, one of the things you're going to learn, I'm going to go ahead and give you, this is a spoiler alert, I'm going to give you the theme of the whole Bible. Here's the theme of the whole Bible. It's the theme from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and that is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it does for us. That's the whole theme of it. See, everything that happened before Jesus, Jesus isn't in the Old Testament. He's not a character there. You don't read the Old Testament and all of a sudden Jesus shows up in the middle of David or, or Samuel or, or, or in the Garden of Eden. Jesus is not hanging around there. But all through those stories, all of them are pointing the way to the cross. They're all pointing to the way to to what Jesus was eventually going to do. And then when you read the New Testament and you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we call those four books of the Bible Gospels, and Gospel is an old timey word that means good news, and we call them the Gospels because it's the good news about what Jesus did for us on the cross. And when you read those four books, you see in those four books that the main part of that story is Jesus. It starts with the birth of Jesus, it goes through the life of Jesus, it goes through the ministry of Jesus, to the crucifixion of Jesus to the resurrection of Jesus, all the way until he left the earth again when he ascended into heaven. It's all of that story. And then everything after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament is all about what Jesus has already done. So the whole Bible, the whole teaching of it, is about who Jesus is and what he's done for us on the cross. And we're in this series of messages in the book of Psalms, which happened most of the Psalms were written about a 1,000 years before Jesus ever came to earth. And I want you to look today at Psalm 22. And if, if there's ever a place in the Old Testament where you can see that something happened, something was written thousands of years before Jesus or a 1,000 years before Jesus, if there's ever a place where you can see that and you see that it's pointing the way to the cross, you see it in Psalm 22. And I'm going to read I'm going to read about 13 verses of this. I'm going to read 1 through 8 and then 14 through 18. So follow along as I read this. And those of you that already know about the cross, just, just be paying attention. You're going to see some things in here. And then I'm going to point them out to you. Psalm 22, verse 1 says this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Now, I'm not going to stay, stay long here, but you don't have to raise your hand, but has anybody else ever felt like that? Donnie talked about that last week in the psalm he talked about. It. Remember, at the beginning of that psalm, it's almost like the person that was writing the psalm said, God, I don't even know if you're here. I don't see you. I don't see you at work in my life. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like that you're crying out to God and, and your prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling and coming right back down to you because he's not listening? That's where David was when he wrote this psalm. Then verse 3. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In, our fathers, in you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. They say, he trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him. For he delights in him. Then verse 14. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Now, King David of Israel, he wrote this psalm. And like I said, he wrote this about a thousand years before Jesus ever came. And, and Jesus is in the direct line of, of David. He was part of the tribe of Judah. David was part of the tribe of Judah. And, and in fact, when you read the, the Christmas story, you might have heard where it talks about Joseph went to Bethlehem because he was of the house and line of David. So, so Jesus was a direct descendant of King David. And so this happened a thousand years before Jesus showed up. And I want you to know that what David is writing about when he writes Psalm 22, he's writing about events in his own life. He's writing about a situation that he's dealing with and the way he feels about it. Now, keep in mind, David was a poet. He was an artsy kind of guy. He he wore skinny jeans and a deep V-neck and that kind of thing. But, but that was him. He was, he was really poetic, and he wrote all these song lyrics and stuff. And so when you read Psalm 22, you see in there, obviously, this is not literal language. When when he says there uh, that, that, his, uh, that his bones are all out of joint and his heart is like wax, his, his literally his bones weren't out of joint, and his heart literally had not turned to wax. He wouldn't have been able to write this psalm if it had. And when he says there that, that they divide my garments among them and calf... Uh, cast lots for my clothing. He didn't have people that had stripped him naked and were casting lots for for his clothing. This was poetic language he was using, but he's talking about a situation in his life that he was dealing with. But I want you to notice something here. And I want you to understand what a great gift God has given us in his word. By giving us the Bible, I want you to understand how great of a gift this is. Because God was able to take Something that David wrote about how hard of a time he was having. And, and through the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he was able to speak through David and point us to something that was going to happen a thousand years later. When David wrote this psalm, he wasn't saying, hey, I'm going to tell everyone about the crucifixion of Jesus. And he started to write. David didn't know about the crucifixion of Jesus. David had never heard the name Jesus. But God was using David, he was speaking through David to point us, to point future readers to see one day this is going to happen. One day a man named Jesus is going to come. He's going to live a sinless life. He's going to be crucified on a cross, and he's going to be raised again on the third day, and that is going to make all the difference in the world and all the difference for you personally. And so look at this. I'm going to just point out the, point out the things. If, if you go to Matthew 27, so if you've got a Bible, if you want to turn to Matthew 27, well, I'll read the ones from Psalm 22. That's good. Or you can stay at Psalm 22, and, and I'll read from Matthew 27. Either way, I'm going to read it all. And you'll see Matthew 27 is, is where... The the guy who wrote uh, the book of Matthew, uh, ironically was named Matthew, and he's writing about the crucifixion of Jesus. And he's writing about those events because he saw them, he was there. And he's writing first-hand accounts, and this is what he says happened. And I want you to notice the, the similarities between what David wrote a thousand years before and then what actually happened to Jesus. Psalm 22, 18 says this, They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing... They cast lots. And then Matthew 27, 35. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Psalm 22, 7, a thousand years before Jesus. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. Matthew 27, 39 through 40. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Psalm 22, eight. David talks about what he felt like the people were saying about him. They were saying this, He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Matthew 27.43, While Jesus was on the cross, people mocked him by saying, He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now. If he desires him, for he said, I am the Son of God. And then, Psalm 22.1, this is the one that if you know anything about the cross, anything about the story of the cross, as soon as I read this, you should have said, I've heard that before. Where he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? And then Matthew 27.46, as Jesus hung on the cross, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A 1,000 years, when there was a king named David, God already had a plan in place. He already had a plan in place that he was going to come to earth in the form of a human. He was going to live on this earth. He was going to be tempted in all the ways we're tempted. Whatever sin you were tempted to commit this week, whatever sin you actually committed this week, Jesus was tempted to commit those same sins, but the difference between him and me, the difference between you and him, is that he never committed those sins. He was tempted to, but he did not. And a thousand years before, God knew that this he was going to have, he had this plan in place, that he was going to do this, he was going to come to earth, he was going to be tempted, he was going to breathe the same air that we breathe, he was going to walk the same ground that we walk, and that then he was going to sacrifice his life by being crucified on a cross but he wouldn't stay dead That he was going to r- come back on Sunday morning he was going to rise again and God used David to prepare the way now I want you to understand something about your life today if you don't hear anything else I say I want you to hear this just like God was so detailed that he inspired David to use some of the exact same words and, and to describe exactly what was going to happen a thousand years later, I want you to know that God is just that detailed in the working in your life. That he is preparing you right now, whether you realize it or not, he is preparing you for conversations you're going to have later. He's preparing you for relationships that one day you're going to be in. He is preparing you for for projects at work that you haven't even even put on your desk yet that you're going to have. He's preparing you for new jobs that you're going to have to do in your business. He's preparing you for all of those things. He is at work in your life, just like he was at work in the life of David, to point his people to himself. But what we have to do is we have to be willing to submit to Him, to give in to what He has for our life, to put our desires second, to put the thing that may become so natural to us that we feel like this is exactly who we're supposed to be because it just comes natural to us, to put that aside and say, no, I'm going to live by what Your Word teaches. Even though it comes naturally for me to do this, but Your Word teaches me I should do something else, I'm going to live by that. I'm going to submit to who You are, God, and allow You to work in my life. See, today, as we get ready to take this, God is saying that you need to give everything to Him. He gave everything for us, and now we need to give everything to Him. We're going to take this in just a minute, so uh, let me tell you how this is going to work. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter if you're a member of this church or not, if you've ever been to this church or not. But if you believe in Jesus, that he died for you on the cross, that he was raised again, and you're following him, you've asked him to, to come into your life and to forgive your sins, you're welcome to take this today. If you're here today and, and you're not a follower of Jesus, this is not for you. I don't say that in, a, in an ugly or a mean way, but, but it has no meaning for you. And so you need to let it pass by and not take it but I would love for you more than anything to accept Jesus as your Savior. Not just so that you can take a piece of bread and drink a little bit of juice out of a cup, but so that He can change your life and your eternity. And He can do that, and all you have to do is ask Him to come into your life to forgive you of your sins, admit that you've done things wrong, and say that you believe on the cross and the resurrection. And You can do that. And if you're a follower of Jesus, as we get ready to take this, I'm going to say a prayer. And at the end of our prayer, We've got some guys that are going to come and they're going to distribute the bread first and then they're going to distribute the cup. And as I'm praying, if you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to begin preparing your heart. Scripture says that that if you're holding bitterness and, and unforgiveness in your heart towards someone, you shouldn't take this today. In fact, it says that if that's what you've got going on, you should leave right now and go find the person that you haven't forgiven and forgive them first before you take this. And and the Scripture talks about that it's so serious what we're about to do that if we take it in a manner unworthy of the sacrifice of Jesus, it says that when we take that, that we bring bad stuff upon ourselves. Paul said in one of his teachings, he said, the reason some of you are sick is because you abuse this. When you take this, you're not taking it for the right way, and that's why some of you are sick. I'm not saying that if you're sick that you did that at some point in your life, but I'm just saying this is serious. Be ready. Take this the right way. I'm going to pray, we're going to take this together, and let's celebrate the greatness of a God who had sacrificed himself for us, and that he would give us so many ways to hear that news, from a king a thousand years before, from eyewitnesses who were there that can tell us the story, to years and years and years of teaching and preaching since then to remind us of the cross and the resurrection. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that as we prepare now to participate in what we call the Lord's Supper, that we would be reminded of your sacrifice. We would be reminded of how you gave everything for us. And that we would take this in a way that honors you. Please remove all bitterness and anger from our hearts. Allow us to focus completely on who you are, to forget what happened last week, what's going to happen next week, and just be in your presence now. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for giving us a tangible way to remember what you've done for us. That just as we broke this bread, your body was broken for us. And just as this juice we drank was red, your blood that you shed was red for us. It was scarlet, but it was able to wash us completely clean, completely free of sin to make us as white as snow as we go out from this place in just a moment, as we enter into the world tomorrow morning or Tuesday morning, whenever our week starts this week, and we go back to work, we go back to school, we're at the places where we live and play and work, I pray that we would remember that you are real, that you are at work, that the power of the resurrection is a part of our lives, and we would live like that this week, that we would be shining examples of who you were on this earth, and what you can do in the lives of people, if we will submit to you, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your love. Thank you for forgiveness. You are a worthy God to be praised and we love you. and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me while I read a closing scripture, and then we're going to sing a closing song. First Peter wrote this. First Peter wrote this uh, Peter wrote this in First Peter one, three through five, and it says this: "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ."